Thanks, Eric, for uh, your your kind words, your gracious words. Yeah, I basically told them, "Are you crazy? Like, don't don't preach on your uh, on the weekend of your anniversary." So, uh, my name is Ryan, and it's so good to be here. Uh, I come with my, I'm married to my best friend Jeanette, who is on a ladies' retreat, much needed. So, I spent the weekend. Um, have you seen that movie from the '80s, Mr. Mom? Yes, that was. That, that was me this weekend. It's good. I have uh, four children here. They all look exactly like me, and, and we're, we're happy to be here, part of this, I like what Eric calls it, the humble little patch chapel here on base. Uh, today, so because we, because we mixed it up, Eric said, why don't you just preach something that's near and dear to your heart, something that's, that you're passionate about, and so this is one of my favorite passages. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to James... Chapter 1, verse 21. James chapter 1, verse 21. And as you turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1, verse 21, I'm going to be reading out of, I, I, I try to go through a new translation every year. And uh, this, this year is uh, the Christian Standard Bible. And you can have your pew Bibles, but I'm going to flash a bunch of versions on the screen. So James... 121, and I've titled this message, The Fundamentals for, for Spiritual Growth. And now I think that all of us in here would agree that we all want to grow in our faith. Is there anybody here that wants to grow in their faith just by show of hands? Yes, it's basically unanimous. From the youngest person in here to the most experienced person in here, we all want to grow. So I have here what I call the gardening illustration. Now, this is my youngest child, Kyler here, who's pretty embarrassed about uh, being up there. But this is the best way I can think to illustrate biblical growth in our faith. So there are several things that we have to do to make a flourishing garden. This is in front of our house at Patch. We live right across the street. Those are our bikes out there. We, We rode here today. And here's Kyler. He's planting with my mom some tomatoes right in front of, right in front of the, uh, the entrance to, do, to the door there. So first things first, if you're going to plant a garden, you have to look at the dirt and remove all the trash there. You have to remove everything that's going to prohibit growth. Secondly, what you have to do is prepare the soil. So sometimes that's tilling it, put, putting some water there. And then the third thing you do is you get seeds and you put it in the dirt. This is pretty technical stuff, right? This is so easy, but I'm, I love this illustration because it's exactly how we grow. This is exactly how we grow in, in our faith. And it's amazing. Tomatoes, if you put them in, in the dirt, how fast do they grow? It's really fast. It's really fast. Some things take a long time to grow. Some things grow really fast. Sometimes bad things grow really fast, like weeds or mushrooms, poisonous mushrooms. And sometimes the most, the best tasting fruit takes a long time. And you won't see any fruit for a long time. That might, that's my my story. That might be your story. It might be someone who, who got saved here and gave your life to Jesus one day and you're, You're sharing your faith the next day. That's not everybody. Some of us are on this long journey of 
gosh, when am I going to grow in my faith? Gosh, this sin is still there. I can't believe that's still there. When am I, I going to get rid of that? Who's there? Who's with me? Right? When, so, but this is, these are the principles that we pull from Scripture, from James here. So, after you plant a seed, life begins in gardening at germination. So, when the seed hits the ground, when it goes underneath the ground, that's when life begins. But you can't see it. It's sort of like what I believe about human life. Life begins in the womb. You can't see the person, but you know life is there. With seeds, life begins under the dirt where no one can see. There's no fruit, but, but life is there. It doesn't matter whether people on the outside can see it or not. Life is there. But there are certain things, if you're going to grow in your faith, you need water. You need time, and you need to let it grow. So here, removing all, all the debris would be removing things that hinder it. Now, let's, let's go to the spiritual world, right? The physical world is removing the dirt. The, the, the spiritual world is, that's, that's basically confession. Confession and repentance. You're getting rid of all these things that would prohibit growth. Secondly, preparing the soil would be introducing things into the soil that promote growth, like water, nutrients, tilling the soil, uncovering dirt. And then planting the seeds would be the word of God. Now, for another day, in another passage, Jesus talks about the sower and sowing seeds. It's the same principle. There were four types of soils. I take that as there are four types of people, four types of conditions of the heart. And only one, only one would bear fruit. So mathematically, you know, I'm not a mathematician. I never took a math class in seminary. But one out of four, one out of four people would bear fruit. 25% of this room will walk out of here saying, hmm, okay, that fruit, that seed, that word is going to bear fruit in my life. 70, wait, 75% of people are going to walk out of here and the word is not going to bear fruit in their lives? That's pretty depressing, right? Well, it's, it's the reality. In preaching classes, they tell you only 40% of the people are really paying attention anyways, so the numbers get drastically different. But, but there is some of us who come here totally desperate, maybe tired, maybe looking for some sort of change, and, and this is, you're going to be blessed because this passage is for you. It's for me. It's for all of us looking to grow in our faith. So watering it uh, is, is, we need water. The best water it comes, comes from heaven. The best water comes from above. And then letting it grow. Being completely patient. Not rushing it. I have four children, and I had the privilege, being in the military for, for a, a while now, I've, I was there every time they, they learned how to walk. And this is how it happened every time. Every single time. They would, start, they would go like this, and then, they would fall, and I would tell them, how dare you fall again? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was only positive. I was only positive with my kids. Nothing negative came out of my mouth when they were learning to walk. It was this. I remember Ryder was in San Diego, and he was, he was, he was a late walker, like 15 months or something. But he was standing on the bed, and then, and then he, he walked. He took his first step. I go, you got it, buddy. You got it. Come on. Come on. And he took his second step, and then he was like, and then he fell. And then 
when we're discipling people, we're discipling others, the only thing that should be coming out of our mouths is something positive. Oh, chops, I fell again. Okay, well, thanks. Thanks for confessing. It doesn't surprise me when people fall. It surprises me when I fall, but it shouldn't. Every time we see, you watch this, you see famous preachers and pastors or politicians or whoever, whoever, they fall or their sin gets exposed and everybody goes, I can't believe that. Why? Why are we so surprised when people fall? Why are we surprised when people are in need of a savior? I am in the business of turning my ears into graves so people could bury their problems and begin healing. If you've ever received an email from me, that's on, my, that's on my email tagline. That's my life mission. So I've been, I've been the business. I've been getting dialed into the brokenness of humanity for, for over uh, 15 years now. And what I've learned is this. I've met far too many people who let me all the way in to know that there could be someone else that's not like the rest of us. So when we fall, we just need to confess it and say, here's what I did again. And then a loving, mature believer will say, thanks. Thanks for that confession. And if they're being honest, we live in a me too world, right? The real me too where you say, man, I'm just like you. You're just like me. When I start confessing sin, which I think is one of the best ways to, to witness to other people, I find some people say, oh, I feel like the steam gets let out of the air and they go, oh, me too. When I talk about my struggling with parenting, when I talk about my struggles in marriage, when I talk about my struggles to be gracious and kind, I find that either people uh, who are not in touch with their brokenness, either they, they go like this, or people who are in touch with their need for a Savior go, thank God I found someone I can relate to. And if you and I had coffee sometime, or I, I drink decaf, my friends call that brown sadness water, but whatever. <laughs> if you and I sat down and we had lunch, I would answer any question you asked me. I have zero secrets. Zero secrets with my wife and my closest friends and with you if you care to spend time because I know that I need a savior. And maybe that's the one question today. Do you, do you realize that you need a savior? I want to encourage you to get there. But here we go. The fundamentals of, of gardening is the same thing for, for the spiritual life. Now, these are, these are the things we need in our lives. Confession and repentance in the midst of community, in the midst of Bible study. When we sat down with the Bryans, when my wife and I sat down with the Bryans, we said one of, the, one of our core values here as we're developing a mission statement that we will launch soon is the word of God. And I, Jody said it uh, specifically, sound doctrine. Doctrine means teaching. Sound doctrine means good teaching. And if we're really sincere about our faith, but we're ignorant on doctrine, then that leads to heresy. You can be really passionate about something, but you can be passionately wrong, and that leads to bad teaching. So this is going to be the foundation of everything we learn here, getting in Bible study. And discipleship means getting together one-on-one. -on -one. I am in desperate need of this, so I meet with a few guys at, at uh, the Kelly, the canteen, every Thursday morning at 6.30, a little plug. And I want my brother Jason back there as part of that same group. Lee's part of that group. And we just gather around, we read the word together. It's going to take discipleship and then, and then um, some spiritual disciplines, praying, so on and so forth. Okay, so that's my introduction to James. Now let's read, let's read the passage together. I'm going to flash a few different versions here, starting with some, some literal translations, the King James. 
King James says this, wherefore, which is really interesting to speak in 1611 language, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. There's another version of the New American Standard, therefore ridding yourselves of all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word planted in you which is able to save your souls. Okay, getting a little bit more uh, dynamic here. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, little seed, which is able to save your souls. Now, those are, those are literal translations. Let's go to more contemporary versions, dynamic translations, we call them. The Christian Standard Bible, this is, this is the one I read. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the word planted, uh, it, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Okay, NIV, this is the one I grew up memorizing. Therefore, get rid of all, we can say this one together, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. And the New, Trivings, New Living Translation has a looser translation, but check these ones out. These are these. I always find these fascinating. Let's go to the message translation here. So throw away all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage and sinful humility. Let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. Have you ever read the message translation by Eugene Peterson? It's, it's, it's fascinating. It's way, way, way loose. It's 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 a paraphrase. One man paraphrase. But in any case, I love how it mentions the gardener. God is the gardener. A contemporary English version, you must stop doing anything immoral or evil. Instead, be humble and accept the message planted in you to save you. Okay, uh, what I like to do when I study the Bible is, if I'm reading the Bible, and if you, if you borrowed any of my Bibles, you would see all the verbs have a box around them. In all my books, if I'm reading a book, I find, I find the verbs and I put a box around it. You know why I do that? It's because if God is going to tell you to do something, it's going to be in a verb. I mean, you know what a verb is? Schoolhouse rock. <laughs> verb, verb, verb is an action word. Okay? So, in Bible study, if you, just, if you just put a box around all the verbs, the imperative verbs, you will see exactly what God wants you to do. So there are, there are, I highlighted about a handful of verbs here. The first one was get rid, get rid of, get rid of all moral filth and evil. The, the Greek word here for, for getting rid of it, uh, getting rid of things is, is apotithing. The apo means like away and, and to throw away. It means, it literally means to, to, to take stuff off. In Hebrews it talks about, uh, the author of Hebrews talks about getting rid of every weight that so easily entangles. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and for the joy set before him endured the cross, scoring its shame. And it's this picture of a person like shedding off stuff that's, that's slowing him down. Uh, has anybody ever ran a marathon in here? Okay, a, a few. I did once. It was for a joke. It's because I was on, I was on the wrestling team, and me and my buddy were like, I, I bet you could run a marathon. And so, <laughs> so we ran LA Marathon. Jack didn't train at all. I thought maybe I could lose some weight for wrestling. So we showed up to this thing. Unprepared. We did. My friend Dan said, "Do you guys? Do you knuckleheads even have the bib? You know, the, we're like, oh, we forgot to do that. 
So we showed up the day of driving around trying to find, we, we were like, I was number like 25,000 or something like that. That's my bib, and I'm sitting there, uh, and it's LA Marathon, so it's in downtown LA, and it's totally packed. It's like, it, it's like shoulder to shoulder here, and people were actually relieving themselves on the floor, like you, you, couldn't, go, you couldn't go anywhere. And people were in trash bags, right, and in sweaters, and they said, ready, on your marks, three, two, and everybody, it was amazing, everybody throws off their clothes, like their sweaters and everything, because it was cold. And you saw sweaters flying. It was like it was like the rapture happened. <laughs> and then and then everybody takes off. And and if, if you're homeless, this is like the perfect opportunity to get some sweet <laughs> sweet gear. But as you as we're running as we're running away from the starting line, you see all these clothes, like piles of clothes, just on the street because it's going to slow them down. You don't want anything on you that's going to slow you down. In the spiritual life, you don't want anything on you that's going to slow you down or hinder growth. That's why James talks about here, get rid of all moral filth and evil. That is so prevalent, so common. How common is sin? Well, let me see if I can count. It's as common as everybody's in here. There's not a sin that you would tell me that I would be surprised. You think you'd be surprised because you're not in the business of listening to this stuff every day. But let me just let you in on a secret. I, I, I encourage you to try it. Confession and freedom is more addictive than bondage. Like it becomes, freedom becomes an addictive thing. I love this. I love being free. I love not being in the dark. If you're in a marriage or in a relationship, I mean, the, the worst thing that can happen is to have a secret. And every time I had a secret, I'm looking over my shoulder, like, oh, what is, does anybody, does anybody find out? Or it's just no way to live. Jesus set us free freedom that he set us free. So that's why James talks about getting rid of all these things. So what, what is all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent? Here I, I came up with, with seven things. It could be a lot of things. But I came up with seven things that I can't imagine there's another sin that's not linked to these seven things. And one day this will this will be a, a, a book. It's already it's already written, but I just haven't I haven't published it. But uh, moral filth and prevalent evil. And I talk about uh, seven root causes of all types of sin. So one thing I got to flash them all here. Uh, the root of deception. That can be leading to a lot of stuff. The spirit of rebellion. The, the love of money. 1 Timothy 6.10. Actually, Paul says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Paul says, there's not a single thing sin that's not connected to the love of money. Um, I wonder if this is applicable today. If you want to follow evil, follow the money. The love of money is linked to a lot of bad things. It's linked to a lot of malpractice. It's linked to a lot of people getting hurt. It's linked to a lot of people dying. I'll just leave that there. Uh, the worship of control, the worship of power, the worship of approval, the worship of comfort. And these are all things that are deep down in our hearts, and they, they tug at our hearts. And John Calvin says these are, these are idols. John Calvin said that the heart, which is the deepest part of the human being, is an idol factory. Meaning, our heart wants to worship things. 
like control. I don't know if you're like me, but, but when I worship control, then I'm, everybody around me starts getting miserable. Kids, wife, family, friends, you name it. If you are a boss and you worship control, your people underneath you are going to be miserable. And control is an illusion. Control is an illusion. The more I think I know that I, that I can control, I'm deceived because control is an illusion. But here's all he's saying. The worship of power means basically I have to be right. I have to get the last word in every time. I have to get that position so that everybody can see me. I have to have uh, the center of attention. That's, that's the worship of power, the worship of approval. Um, let me know if you relate to this one, but it's like doing things to impress other people or to fit in. Now watch this, the teenagers and the, and the, and the, and the young ones in here. How many adults struggle with trying to impress your friends? See, whether you know it or not, they're in their heart, they're raising their hand. Okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm letting you know. It never goes away. If we think this might be a, a teenager thing, or I'm wearing these clothes to be cool, but we do it as 30-year-olds, as 40-year-olds, as 50-year-olds, as 60. We do it all the time. That, that idol of approval, doing things, there's a, there's a movie called, uh, where we buy things we don't need with the money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. <laughs> that's, the, that's the insanity of idols. We're supposed to get rid of that too. The idol of comfort, our hearts are geared towards being comfortable. Things being fast, things being easy, but God hasn't called us into comfort. He's called us to things like confession. That's not comfortable. Because then I have to let you know what I'm really struggling with. And then if you know what I'm really struggling with, then I'm afraid that you might not meet me there and I'll experience the, what people call the greatest fear of mankind is to be rejected. So I'll just do what's more comfortable and I won't say what I'm struggling with. I'll just do what's more comfortable and I won't go to counseling. I'll just do what's more comfortable and I'll just hide. So these are things that I think need to go. They're all with here within the heart. So how do we get rid of things that, are, that, we, that no one else can see? How do we get rid of roots underground that we can't see? How do you kill a root? Does anybody know how to kill a root? What happens if you pull a root out of the ground and you throw it in the sun? What happens to the root? Who said it dies? A plus right there. If you expose the root to the sun, it dies. If you take your sin and you expose it to the light, the sin no longer has power. If the sin stays underneath the ground in a dark place where it's moist, it only begins to grow. And it, becomes, and it gets out of control. And when roots are so powerful, they can actually lift the foundation of the house and break the concrete. Have you ever seen that? Has anybody ever seen roots from a tree break the foundation of a house? That's how strong sin can be in our lives if, if it's hidden. If it's hidden. But in gardening, we have to constantly dig up those roots. You can't just cut the weeds. So you can't just mow over the weeds. You have to dig down deep and see what the roots are. It might be one of these, one of these seven things. It might be one of these seven things. But it has, it has to go. It has to go. What about moral filth? What about evil that is so prevalent? Now, 
I'm going to uh, pick on some, some apps and some things, but there's, it could be so much more than this. And then the tree illustration here is, is we, are, we are the tree, and then there's things that water, there's things that add to the growth of bad things. But, um, anybody use your any of these things? I, I use that, Audible. I have SoundCloud. I have podcast. There's all things in here. Instagram. All these things, I'm not saying these things are evil of themselves. Maybe some of them are. Created by evil organizations meant to spy on us. TikTok. <laughs> so, but these things aren't evil per se, but they can pull our attention. Okay? Now, how many of you don't have a smartphone? Okay, see, these are the most purest people here. They haven't been defiled yet by, by the inundation, by the constant inundation of things. And I encourage you, if you don't have a smartphone, hold off as long as you can. If you don't have social media, hold off as long as you can. Uh, the, the way I made money for seminary uh, years ago was I was, uh, I was a web designer. And I, I saw from, from, from the, I saw from the, from the designer endpoint on things that we do to pull other people. Like we, I was for a clothing company and um, I was the designer for, my brother was the designer for this clothing company, designing the clothes and I did a website. And for our, our women's clothing page, I designed that one. And back in the day, this was like 2004, there was this thing called MySpace. Anybody know that? And I would make friends with people. I'd say, oh, and I would pretend to be the models. They think I'm the models because I'm that's the pictures that we're putting for these clothes. And I'd say, hey, uh, why don't you have me? At, why don't you have your friends add me? And these were beautiful models. I got messages. I had thousands of friends, messages from people that were married, saying, "Hey, um, you know, I'm married, but 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 I can, we can we can link up." And, um, this is creepy, creepy. There are people who target children and, and adults, and they're going to do it through, through this. But see, but the point is, the point is, we are inundated. This is a this is a nonstop bombardment, and it's a, and it's an assault on our attention. Now here's the truth. God is always talking to us. Did you know that? You know God is always talking to you? Did you know God is always whispering into your ear? I love you. You're my child. You are healed. You are beautiful. You are loved. I get goosebumps when I think about that. God is whispering into our ears every second of the day. Guess who's also talking to us? The world, the flesh, and the devil, and his little minion demons. Okay? The world, the flesh, the devil, the demons, and sometimes they use this. Maybe like 99% of the time they use this. So if God is talking to me constantly... And the world is talking to me constantly. It depends who I'm listening to, who's turned up louder, is the voice that I'll hear. Is the voice that I'll hear. Some of us woke up this morning, and the very first thing we did was we just looked at our phones. 
I'm not, this, is not, this is not a guilt thing. This is a reality thing that, that I'm saying. This is how it's become part of our lives. When I first joined the military, there was no such thing as the iPhone. Remember those days? Remember those days? We had thumb drives. And it was just... And then in 2007, uh, Apple launched the, the invention of the iPhone. And the vice president of marketing of Apple said that he wakes up in, in uh, night terrors. He wakes up in cold sweats. Look up this article. Saying they regret what they have done to the world. They said, what have we done to the world? And their children were, were addicted to these devices. And it was an entire generation now for over 15 years. They have no idea what, how it was going to impact the world. But these are the means by which the world will distract us and the voice of the enemy can be louder than God's voice. And next thing you know, we're not hearing God's voice. So all we're hearing is the opposite of what God says. What, what does the world say? You're dumb. You're a loser. You'll never get it right. I mean, come on. Who's heard these voices? Who has heard these voices in their heads? Okay. I'm counting count all the nods as yeses. We've all heard these voices. I don't care if you're four years old. I don't care if you're 44 years old. I don't care if you're 90 years old. You've heard these voices. It's no secret. It's no surprise. I'm telling you they're lies. They're lies. One good app is uh, the Truth or Trash app. Have you seen that? Truth or Trash. Truth or Trash app. There's a, there's a, there's a, a statement that comes on. And you can either uh, click on Truth or Trash. So it says, you are loved. Truth or Trash. Truth. You are a loser. Truth or trash. And you said trash. But that's the thing we have to do all day is, is when we hear voices in our head, when we hear convictions, we have to go, uh, who, 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 who said that? God, was that you? No, that was not you. That can't be you. So I'm only going to listen to you. And you just get rid of the other stuff. And if you want to take it a step further, you tell someone the thoughts that you have. My friends go, that's crazy. You would tell your wife a thought that you had? Even if it never even happened? Yes. Yes. Because we have no secrets. Because why? Because we're supposed to get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and then humbly accept the word planted in me, which can save me. Does this make sense? Okay, so I'm not, I'm not saying get rid of your phone today. Um, I'm not saying your e I'm just saying pay attention because if God, if God is going to talk to you, you have to have him turned up louder than these things. These things are speak very loud. And they speak from the moment you wake up till you go to bed. Okay, alright, enough, enough about that. Okay, here's the second verb here. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. If it's, no, it's no doubt that, that the word here is the seed. The seed is the word. The word is the seed. In the parable of the four soils... It's the word of God that's attacked, not the person. Remember the seed hit the rocks and the bird came and got it? The devil came and got that word so it never bore fruit in the person's life. And then the thorns and then the rocks and then the good soil, the seed went in, the enemy didn't get it, and then it, it, it bore fruit. But we're to humbly accept the word planted in us, which, which can save us. Now, I said this before, when does life begin in in uh, gardening. When does life begin? Is there a life? Let me get 
Is there a life right here? Is there a life here? Yes. Yes, yes. There's definitely life here, because you can see it here. But look at these first four stages. One, two, three. It's a seed. It's starting to grow. But we can't see it from the outside. I don't know how many sermons I... Probably 99% of the sermons that I've heard and read about James, they say these, these things, and these are... You're going to notice it every time you hear a James sermon now. If you're a true believer, you're going to be able to see it. I don't know why they say that. The, the scriptures don't say that. They say things like, well, James is talking about um, if you have true faith, and you're going to see it. It doesn't say, it doesn't say that. It, it doesn't say that. There's these terms, uh, a true believer. There's no such thing as a true believer. It's either believer or unbeliever. Here's a little homework assignment. Just look at the word faith in the Bible. It's never, it's never modified by an adjective. It never has a modifier in front of it. True faith, fake faith, false faith, genuine faith. It never has a modifier. But yet 99% of sermons say this is talking about true faith versus faith. No. Saying people have faith, you just can't see it. But growth is taking place. You just have to make sure you do all the things possible. Uh, getting rid of all moral filth and evil. Because the more we keep moral filth and evil in our lives, the more we hang on to these things, we will stunt our growth. We will stunt our growth. Uh, people ask me, did, you, did your growth get stunted like drinking coffee? No, my parents are just both small, okay? so. But spiritually, spiritually, you can stunt your growth by hanging on to sin. And then if you let go of sin and be able to so prevalent, you humbly accept the word, then you will bear fruit. You'll bear fruit. Now let's, let's go to this last, let's go to this last verb here. This is interesting. Okay, so we had three verbs. Get rid of, get rid of all the stuff. Get rid of it. Take off your clothes like, like in the marathon. Shed it off. And then humbly accept the word which can save you. Now, uh, what does this mean here, saved? Does anybody know what this means? If you search somebody, hey, are you saved? What are they saying when they say, are you saved? They're basically saying, are you going to heaven one day? Or are you, are you, are you a believer in Jesus? But there are three actual uh, uses of the word saved in the Bible. Uh, it's from this Greek word, sozo, and it's used 108 times in the New Testament. And it doesn't mean the same thing every time. Okay? This is really important. This is really important because... There's three tenses of salvation. Uh, the three, what are the three tenses? Past, present, and future. So Paul uses all three. He says, he says, I have been saved, and it's a past thing. I have been saved. And then he also says, I'm being saved. Like, right, like today, I hope you and I get saved today. A little bit more than we did for yesterday. And then, and then, there's a future tense, salvation, which means we're, we're saved um, in the future. So uh, past tense means I've been saved. I gave my life to Jesus. I've been saved. Present tense, I'm being saved right now. Like, hey, I, I've been, um, I, uh, my wife and I are doing a 30-day fast from, from media. It's been amazing. We're on like day 16. We're doing it through the pause app. So I'm being saved from that. Uh, people ask me, Have you, did you watch what's on the news? Nope, because I don't, I don't watch the news. I haven't watched the news. Uh, I'm being saved from that. And then future tense, 
One day we'll be saved from the presence of sin. Absent from the body, face to face with the Lord. Okay, so there's different things. There's different ways we can be saved. Uh, here's a pop quiz. I know everybody loves pop quiz. I'm getting you ready for the school year, all the children. Pop quiz, okay? Is James phase one, two, or three? Past, present, or future? Who? who? Giselle? Number two, she says. Who agrees with Giselle? Number two? And the survey says... Boom. Ready for the school year. Okay, how do we know that? Because at the outset of the book, James, is, he identifies who he's, who he's talking to. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. And then he calls them my dear brothers, which can mean brothers and sisters, but he only uses that word to refer to other people who are in the family. In the family. Right? It's like, it's, it's like if you're in the army and soldiers, that's, a, that's an in-house language. You're not going to call a, a civilian person soldier. It's just only soldier to soldier. And sailors to sailors. And airmen to airmen. And coasties to coasties. Marines to Marines. Can't forget about the Marines. Okay, so this is in-house language. So because it's phase two, he's not telling them how to get to heaven, per se. He's telling them, now, how do I, how do I experience some freedom now? Uh, let's do an open book test. We like those ones. Okay, so look in your Bible. And I'm going to give you a quiz. This is a one-question quiz. So this is pass or fail. And you have the open book. The answer's right in front of you. Why does James tell his beloved brothers to humbly accept the word? And the answer is... Anybody? Say again. Let's see. He said to be saved because it can save them. That's why we humbly accept the word. Um... There's so much, there's so much uh, information out there that is vying for our attention. We're, we're just inundated every single day. And we were never created to know all the atrocities in the world all at the same time. We were, we, our souls weren't created for that. We were created to be present, to be, to be thinking and looking at the Lord. But there's going to be an assault on your life, and it's going to come day by day. So if you're, if you're like me, it's, this has got to be a minute-by-minute minute thing. Lord, I got distracted. I don't know how I ended up um, on YouTube for two hours. Oh, I confess. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. And I just put it away. And I don't beat myself up for doing it the next day. I'm like, especially if like a, a good jujitsu video comes on. And, and I don't know how they know everything about us. But I'll watch something and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I just wasted so much time. And that whole time I wasn't listening to the Lord. And so we give ourselves grace. We go, okay, Lord, I confess. I got my eyes off of you. Thank you for your forgiveness. It's gracious. God's gracious. He never wants us to beat ourselves up. So I get rid of that. I get rid of that. I get rid of that. I toss it off. It's slowing me. If it's slowing me down, I just get rid of it. And if I see someone else, my, my friends are struggling and something's slowing them down, I give them grace as well. Uh, when, I, when I first met uh, Pastor Eric here, he said, hey, if, if we're going to be friends, I'm going I'm to I'm need you to give me grace. And I said, oh, 
touche. Like, I'm, my life's pretty messy. Uh, my life's pretty messy. Actually, all my friends, all of our lives are messy because we don't hide it. And I encourage you to, to, to join us in that, in that spirit of, I want, you to, I want you to come over to my house and, and feel normal. Like, apartment living is awesome because I hear people yelling up there and down here. And you know what I do when I hear people, when I hear parents yelling at their kids? I go, yes, I'm normal. And I want to be friends with them so we can do that together. They're not yell at our kids together, but you know, you know what I mean. So we can, like, go, like, hey, how... how what works for you doing this? And we, sh- we just share secrets. And so we stop hiding. Let's just stop hiding. You know, like, and then what we're doing here is creating a community where, marked by constantly pulling up things that are slowing us down and adding things in, like Bible study, discipleship, and then we get to watch each other grow. You, you, they got me here for uh, 2024, and my detailer says, overseas orders can't be changed. You're there, 2024. Can't, no, no short touring here overseas. You're here. So I'm here till 2024. And maybe a follow-on tour. I don't, I don't know. But what I, in, in conclusion, I, I want you to, let's do this together. Can we do this together as, as a family? And so we're not surprised by each other. I, I, I foresee, I have a vision of, of, of us, like breaking bread together, actually knowing each other, and then loving each other, and then just being unstoppable. Like when the enemy tries to assault us and try to attack our kids as school starts, school is a brutal place. For us to be so fortified in our souls, kids can go to school, be made fun of, which I know very much well, being, being a very small person, and they go, I know who I am in Christ. Dad, can you believe someone said this to me? Oh, I'm so sorry, but... What does Jesus say about, yes, this is what Jesus says about me. And even at work, can you believe how they treated me? And then we just come together and our souls are fortified. Let me, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this one verse, this one very powerful verse, where you are very specific with us that we should get rid of all moral filth and all the evil that is so common and that we humbly accept this word planted in us, which can save us here and now today. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.